Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating a more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey. And now it's time to start yours. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to My Journey. I am Brian Pickowitz, and I'm so excited to have you here for the first episode of 2020. We're going to be talking with Alex Bellman, the truthful jeweler from Bellman's Jewelers, and we're going to be sharing his journey of how to connect with clients, connect with customers, and to provide people with extreme value in an industry that is swamped with people trying to steal your money and time and energy and focus. And this is an amazing podcast that I actually did in January, I believe, with Alex while I was in New Hampshire, and it was a lot of fun. We dove into a lot of different topics. We dove into a lot of different aspects of how to connect with people and how to serve people. And obviously, as a fitness coach, I'm not in the jewelry business. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, what value does this hold for me? I think the biggest thing that we really dive into here that's helpful for people is to really understand how to connect with your audience, connect with the people that you want to help, and and be so focused on delivering good things that the outcome happens automatically. And so I know that right now I have not done a podcast in 2020. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Brian, you can't just jump on the wagon and act like it didn't happen. (laughs) And so here's where I've been. Before we dive into the podcast, I just want to tune you guys into where I've been, where Lindsay and I have been, and what's been going on in our lives. Because some exciting, amazing things are happening. And I'm so excited to hear about how your 2020 is starting too. But Right now, Lindsay and I have been just doing a really great job with the fitness project. We have 12 people who are in the fitness project right now. We're getting ready to launch another round, and I've just been really focused on creating a great experience for each person there, and it's just been amazing to see. It's been so, so fulfilling, and the coolest thing is we've really figured out how to craft our coaching so that people are developing new habits, understanding how to shift their mindset while they work on their body, and it's just all coming together. And so I've been kind of shifting where I put content too. If you haven't noticed, I've been posting on my YouTube channel about one to twice a week. I've been really trying to put more energy there because I love being on camera and connecting with the audience that way. I love podcasts. I'm going to keep doing podcasts, but it's just understanding that there's some things that I find to be more natural for me. And so this year, I've been really making that an intentional focus for me and for how I'm connecting with you all. So if you want to see more of my content, if you want to really focus on how to create the mindset and body and the habits that you want for your healthy, fit lifestyle, check out my YouTube channel. But one other thing I want to say is with my absence from the podcast, it's really been because I've had some really great opportunities come into my place. And I'm not ready to dive into what those opportunities are. I'm not ready to share them right at this moment because I'm not putting pressure on them. I think last year, one of the things that I learned was that for me, it's really important that I focus on where my heart is. I tried to do some things that were new and out of my comfort zone, and it was great. I learned a lot. But where I thrive is where and or is when my heart and my mind and my soul and everything is just connected in a very equal way. And so I'm not completely ready to share what's going on behind the scenes. There's just a lot of things that are happening, a lot of tremendous blessings. And I hope that 
one thing I can offer as far as value from my perspective is in your journey, if things are moving, don't put pressure on yourself to dive right into the next step. Focus on doing a really great job at the work that you have in front of you and just realize that it's worth the patience. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort and the energy. And one thing I can observe in myself is because I want so much more in my life, because I'm so hungry and I have all these ambitions, I tend to not necessarily, it's not that I'm ungrateful or I'm not blessed or I don't consider the things that I have in front of me incredible, but at times I've always compared myself to what I expect from myself and what that has done in the past is it's created this this feeling of uneasiness consistently. And so this year I decided to get rid of that. I decided I was just going to do my best with the opportunities that I had. I wasn't going to put pressure on myself. I was just going to follow through and do an amazing job with the work I have. And thus far, it's been really amazing. And so my hopeful message to you in this all as we're tuning this back up and deciding what we want this podcast to be and who we want to connect with and what it actually means by saying my journey it's not about my journey it's about your journey it's about our journey together and as a team which is what I look at this as my hope is that I lead you but you give me just as much energy and focus as I hope that I give you it's like where are we going to go and let's figure it out together without the expectation that it has to be anything but amazing right now. I hope that you are having an amazing year. I hope that things are going right for you. I hope that you are having a wonderful time and your goals are going the way that you want them to. And I also hope that you find value in this podcast. Me and Alex talked about failure. I shared a story that I've never shared before. And Alex does a really great job of connecting with each person that he works with. If you are in sales, if you are in business, I think you can learn a lot from Alex. I know that I have. He's a friend to me. He's someone that I really admire, and he gets after it. So one of the things I've observed about Alex is he's doing amazing things, trying to spread his company from New Hampshire all throughout the United States. He's landing some really amazing clients in the Houston area, and he just does everything he can to help the customer. And my hope is that if you're someone who is looking to get an engagement, <laughs> you connect with Alex. But more than anything, if you are someone who wants to see what true work ethic looks like, how to produce work ethic, how to connect with your ideal client, how to connect to the people that you want to serve, or just be someone who is putting something positive into the universe, this episode is for you. So check out Alex at The Truthful Jeweler on Instagram, connect with him on Facebook, and more than anything, let me know how this podcast reached you, let me know what you enjoy, and have a wonderful day. Here's Alex Bellman. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to my journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz, and I want to welcome you all to episode number 62 of our podcast. This is the first episode of 2020, and I'm super excited to have Alex Bellman here in his studio recording this podcast episode with you all. Thanks for having me on the podcast, man. This is going to be super fun. Yeah, I'm super excited. And you, so the thing I really love the most about what 
obviously like we've been connected for I think like four years now, yeah. um, give or take, and, and you've helped me and Lindsay out a tremendous amount. It's been a great friendship and relationship. But what I really love the most is this has been a huge year for you, like stepping into I think a role of how you're presenting yourself and how you're presenting your brand to the outside world. Like what has that taken from your perspective or what have been the big shifts that have happened in order for that to take place? I hate being on camera. Mm. I hate it. I really do. So I would be more than happy to sit out back and have no one pay attention and do all the same work that I'm doing. Mm. And at some point at the beginning of the, at the end of last year, I decided that that's completely impossible. Mm. That if I wanted to succeed in what I wanted to do with the way social media is, it's the only way to grow. And all these other jewelry stores are um, hoping that they're going to grow without that. Um, we were already pushing hard on social media, just not with me. Mm. Like there was no face. There was no, it was pictures and videos of engagements and stuff like that, but nothing that um, was interactive with the client. And so that was it. I had to do it. And that, that is part of what helped us this year, mm. um, which is shooting commercials, being in front of the camera, doing as much as possible. Well, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah. What's fascinating too, and this just came to my mind, it's like in your business, it's all the same. Not literally. Right. Not literally. Like it's like, and I'll, I'll reverse engineer like what we do, fitness, obviously there's a sp specific type of workout. There's there's body mechanics, there's anatomy, there's all these different things that go into it. But at the end of the day, a lot of the information is the same. Right. Like you're, you're getting kind of that same feel, but it's really about identifying like how you're actually connecting to the person on the other end. Like people want to feel like they're cared about. And it almost sounds like for you, like by actually being in front of people and caring about them, that's kind of been like a separation point. Yeah. And so that's, it is actually the same. So what you're talking about is, so where you guys have fitness, the answers are always the same, eat right, work out, whatever, but it's how you get there. That's different for everybody. So when you see different trainers, which I'm sure everybody does on yeah. social media, you see people being successful with certain trainers, but that doesn't mean that you working with that trainer makes you successful because their style may not be for you. Mm. And so you guys are creating a more honest platform, which is not just fitness, but how to grow yourself as a person, which leads to a fitter lifestyle, which then leads to other great things mm. where what we do is similar rather than trying to sell people brands and gouge them for as much money as possible, we educate them on what they're buying and I show them how I can save them money mm. while keeping the quality absolutely exceptional. Um, but without having to build in like branding or paying for the Bellman's name or whatever it is, I want to make sure that they're leaving with an excellent product at an amazing price that they couldn't get anywhere else. Mm. And that honesty is working. And it's that's the success that I see. And the honesty is working. It's really working. Yeah. Being honest with people works, and a lot of jewelry stores uh, don't do that. Mm. They're just not honest mm. or and or lazy. Yeah. There's two versions of that. So I'm, I'm curious. I want to jump back to this for a second. So you have this conversation like, okay, I need to put myself on social media. I hate being on camera. I hate – I'm guessing you're a little more of an introvert. Yeah. Okay. So with that being said, like what was the internal shift that you just made – and, and how did you go against the grain of what felt comfortable for you? Because that's like that you're talking about something that 
everyone experiences. So for you, like, how did you just say, Hey, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want to necessarily do this, but I'm going to, because I know it's what is necessary. Like, what was that actual like change? Like it was, I'm weird. I don't know how everybody does it. Everybody has their own way of getting over stuff. They don't want to do. I just do it. I, I, and and it's weird because people are like, Oh, if you see my commercials, it, it clearly looks like, and when I do this stuff and I have a podcast too, it looks like I really want to be doing that. And mm-hmm. I do now, but at the beginning I did not at all. Um, but I also didn't want to record radio ads. So mm-hmm. when I first went into record radio ads, I didn't like it. I didn't want to hear my voice on the radio. I didn't want to, I don't know, be the brand. Okay, so the one thing I haven't done is shooting educational content, which is something I really want to do, mm. and I'm working on it. Um, but I find that because I don't really like it, that I'm not doing a good job articulating and I'm trying to get through it quickly Mm. and I need to slow down and try to go through it slower so that people can understand because the biggest issue with jewelry, which I think is the same in fitness is true knowledge. There are so many levels to jewelry. Like the stuff you get at the mall is not the stuff you're getting from us. Mm. The stuff you get at some local jewelers is not the stuff you're getting from us. There's so many levels, but it's the same with fitness. The stuff you're getting from one trainer may not be the stuff you're getting from you guys. And Mm. there's a lot in between. And there's also a lot like trainers. Some aren't real trainers, right? I mean, they're just, which drives me nuts. Um... These people that you can clearly tell just paid for a trainer for themselves, stole that mm. structure and reiterated it to their client. That's the stuff I can't stand because some of that might not be good for those clients. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole totally different conversation because what you see is, and obviously, like, not saying I'm a PhD. Right. Uh, Meaning like there's people who are so much more knowledgeable than me, but it's the, it's the practical application. Like I know when I have a client who's like, Hey, I can only work out three days a week. Then that's the right program for that person. Right. That's what they need. That's the habit that they can build off of. And for me as a coach, like it's really about looking at the whole lifestyle because yeah, like if you want to improve your squat, like I can do that. Like I'm very knowledgeable on what that looks like. If you want to be a championship powerlifter, that's not me. But it's the knowledge of of actually what goes into it for the person at the other end. And so it's like there it's like off your point, it's like there's so many different people who can who are in the space of offering either coaching or business or in obviously in your your area it's it's jewelry and it's and it's the actual the product. But it's understanding like who you're actually trying to help and how you can best help that person. Because the person who is just looking to throw money at the problem, like in your instance, like you want clients who actually want a great experience and want to get something that they feel are is is valuable for the experience they're creating for their partner. Right. Like it's not just like, oh, I bought her a ring. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, like obviously you wouldn't be putting as much time into each client experience if that wasn't the case. Right. And it's like, for us, one of the things that's really important is like, we want people who see it as something that's totally different. It's not just about losing weight. It's about gaining life. And it's fascinating when you get that clarity, which it sounds like that's been like huge for you to have the clarity of like what, like the, the, the value that you want to give people has really given you more of an advantage in helping more of those people. It does. That's the one thing. So I went to a jeweler summit 
which is an excuse to go on a three-day kind of escape. <laughs> and the vendor, the vendors pitch to you. It's it's very weird. So jewelry stores have vendors. Uh, we buy from uh, manufacturers of different items. We buy uh, diamonds from people. Hmm. We buy from companies who make who are branded. You know, like I have a company called Gabriel and Co. They make fashion jewelry. So you go down to the jeweler summit and those jeweler those vendors get to pitch you. But the other thing you get to do while you're there is these other stores will talk to you openly about what they're doing because generally they're far enough away from you that they're mm. not in any competition with you. And they keep it structured to smaller stores like us that are family. I went through all 40 jewelry stores. I opened the book. I took notes on every store. I looked up all their social media. I looked up their websites. I looked up everything I needed to know about them. And then I pinpointed them during the event and found the people I wanted to talk to. Mm. And I would learn something from them. And I learned that no one runs the model that we run. And I came back, that was in, we had already been doing very well for the year and I'd been putting out effort and I'd been, you know, uh, creating more content and, and really pushing that really hard. Man, when I came back in September from that event, I did it tenfold. Wow. Because I left that event, there was finally a moment of clarity where I was like, what I'm doing is right and what they're doing to me is wrong. Mm. I don't like how they run their business. I don't like how they manipulate situations when they're selling to customers. I don't like the margins that they're using. And I knew that I could come back and just destroy any other jeweler <laughs> because they can't compete with us because we're I'm honestly honest. Mm. I'm never going to lie to a client ever. Um, I'm going to if somebody asks me for something and I can't do it to the quality that we normally do, I lit, I tell them what the options are. Mm. I don't make it up, try to find other ways, uh, try to sell them junk, which other jewelry stores do, and, and do much more awful things too. Um, and that changed it. That was it. And I came back from that event believing nobody could mess with me, just believing nobody could beat us. Mm. I still believe that now. It hasn't changed. Love that. And I love the fire. It's it's tangible. Like I can feel the heat. <laughs> I, get, I get super hype about it because it's it, it angers me what I see. Mm. because I think there's a right way to run a business and a wrong way. And some businesses are very lucky and they have higher margins like clothing. Uh, and that's just the way that business is, but they're not ripping you off with that margin. That's just how they're just lucky. I guess mm. you could look at it as luck or you could just look at it as they also have a lot of loss. You know, they're producing uh, more clothing and if they don't sell out or they fail, they have to be able to write off that and amount. Of, all. Um, we're in jewelry. There's still failure. You buy stuff. People don't buy it. You put it on sale, but, um, the margins, you, you just, they have to be smaller because you're selling an item that's already so expensive mm. um, that increasing the margin just makes it even harder to sell and it, and it just hurts the, the buyer. Mm. Just makes it sort of unfair. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, and you can kind of charge whatever you want. Yes. Meaning, well, you know Literally, what I mean? Like yes. people, people go into it with like kind of a, an ambiguous mindset about like how much is actually going to cost. And it's also, this is fascinating. Like, so obviously like Lindsay and I, I, when I proposed to Lindsay, I came to you and it was a massive help, but it's like, and I say that as a segue to the next point, like now we're preparing for our wedding. Yep. And when you think about preparing for a wedding, I was like, I don't want to spend, like, I don't need to, I don't need to spend all this money that people are telling me I need to spend yeah. on this wedding because it's going to make me look more successful or my ego needs it or whatever. But there's people, obviously that's their mindset or that's what they feel like they have to be. And it's the same right. thing with jewelry. Like, Oh, I need to go get my wife a X amount of dollar ring. 
in order to feel like I'm significant. Whereas like, if you actually take the time to be like, what kind of ring does my wife want or my fiance or my girlfriend or whatever you're trying to like figure out, like the, you can pay the margin, but more importantly, you're actually offering them what they want. And it's like when people don't have the right guidance, they can easily be like sold anything. You well, know, it happens all the time. Yeah. You know, these guys come in with these, I won't go into it because it's too nitty gritty, but they'll, yeah. they'll ask for a diamond of a certain color clarity that's very high that they may not specifically need because it's so high that there isn't a visible change if you go slightly lower. And I can show them how dropping what they're looking for quality-wise very minutely, making one little change below would save them upwards of, you know, three or $4,000. Wow. And those are when I really get excited because... They know I'm excited to help them. They can feel that or see that, that I'm not just going to sell them whatever they asked me for. I'll sell it if they continue to ask for it. So if mm -hmm. I show someone something and then they say, actually, no, I just really want this thing that I asked for, we just sell it and that's okay. And I explain to them they're slightly overpaying for the quality because they could have lowered it without changing the look of the piece. Um, and I should really stop saying quality without explaining what it is. Uh, when you shop for diamonds, there's color which is how white the stone is. And then there's clarity, which has minor inclusions in it. And sometimes people get very obsessed on clarity. Hmm. So this is the only thing I'm actually talking about when I talk about quality, when I talk about adjusting it. Color, we always like to keep very high. You obviously want the stone to be white. Um, but clarity-wise, sometimes people come in asking for these really clear diamonds, like internally flawless. And if you go down to a clarity grade called VS2 or SI1, there are inclusions in the diamond, little white dots or little black dots. But they don't affect the price, but they could, I mean, they don't affect the look at all, but they could save you thousands, hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And when I generally educate my customers on that, and then we compare it in person, I, they don't just take my word, I show them. They generally take it and save the money, but they still ended up with a beautiful ring, super high color, perfect cut, slightly lower clarity. Hmm. And they love it. And they don't have to feel like they, they actually get to save money. And that's my favorite because then they tell their friends. Mm. What jewelry store lets helps you save money? Nobody. Mm. They don't. That's not their goal. You say you want to spend ten. Oh, they're gonna find a way. Yeah. They're gonna get you to ten. But if you tell me you're gonna spend ten, I'll find stuff from that's seven grand, eight grand, nine grand, and ten. And then you choose for yourself. And generally, once you see the difference, you go, you know, eight or nine. You save the money. Mm. Makes sense. Which is cool. Well, and so obviously talking a lot about like the business aspect of what your focus is, when you think of the business that you're building and think of where your heart is, how do you make sure that your values are in alignment with how you're treating your customers? Like, and, and this is, I ask this because sure. obviously like that's your position as right. Alex, but I think it's also helpful for people who are listening to this. Like how, how do you actually bring your personal value of like the things that you think are amazing, like trust, honesty, like all those different aspects of you, your character, how do you embed that into your business or your work? I just, I bring the customer in as much as possible without literally just showing them my cost. They come into the entire process and I show them how I build things. I show them how to save money. Um, you know, I show them why me producing a ring in-house, you know, setting the diamonds, ca getting a caster to send me an empty mounting, and doing that for them can save them so much money. And I involve them and educate them. The biggest, biggest thing I do is I spend most of my time educating customers. 
we spend 20 to 30 percent of our time actually looking at jewelry and we spend the other 70 learning while looking we're still looking at diamonds and rings and mountings we're picking stuff out and we're working together but they're learning something at, through every possible second that we're together i'm always teaching whether it's about gold quality or about diamond quality or about how we make something or I show them videos on how we cut diamonds. Like I try to make sure that they feel completely involved. Mm. And then if they have a question, I can answer it. And the other thing that I think is something that I don't do, but it just helps is in my industry, you can literally leave my store and go to another store. And when they do, they immediately come back Mm. because I've educated them to a point where they go, oh, that was really nice. Alex was a nice guy. I liked all the stuff he told us. Uh, you know, I'm going to absorb that. And then they go to another store. And they know that what I was saying was true because the way I express it and the way I allow them to, uh, I can explain ways for them to search it well, for it's themselves. Time. It's the amount of time and effort. Time, yeah. They'll go to other stores and they get a different experience and they hear things that I told them are things that aren't true in the jewelry industry. And they come right back because they're like, Alex is the only one being honest with me. Mm. So... And this is a really good question with, with these different aspects. Like what are the big things that people like, what are the big celebrations that you enjoy the most? Like, is it the engagement photos? Is it the engagement experience? Um, I know obviously like wedding bands, watches, there's, those are aspects of your, your business. Right. So like, what do you find the most joy in? It's probably engagement rings. Um, for so many reasons. Uh, one, I like saving people money. I'm going to keep going back to that. Uh, but it's important to me, and, I, and the, that's a huge decision. That's the one very few times in your life, other than buying a car and a home and other, are you going to spend this much money in one place? Mm. Um, whether that for you is $1,000 or 20000 it doesn't matter what your budget is, but there's very few times in your life that you're going to spend that money. And I want you, no matter what you're spending, to feel like you've saved and you've done a good job and you've got a super high-quality ring. And then it's the reactions of the people. Because when you buy earrings from me for Christmas, I don't get photos. Mm. No one's texting me. Look at the- <laughs> Look how happy my wife is today on Christmas. <laughs> but when someone gets engaged, mm. I get all those photos. Mm. And I get to know that they get to enjoy that ring every day for the rest of their life. And it's kind of weird to think about. Yeah. That's something you made is being worn by someone every day for the rest of their life. Mm. It almost actually... You forget about it most of the time. Yeah. Well, you kind of got to, it's like, and this isn't like a, um, me shouting out like what we do, but like when I get, (laughs) look at, look at, um, but like when we get, when I get text messages from clients, like I have to remind myself sometimes to be extremely grateful because sometimes like you can almost lose track because you're like, I have like, for me, sometimes I'll have like 30 clients. Like it's, it's a challenge to like compartmentalize, like not caring, but compartmentalize like the amount of joy that I actually get from this because it's, it's, it's like, it's constant. It can be a constant thing. Like when when you get like 10, 15 text messages a day of like, look at this. It's like, oh wow. Like this is so amazing. And just reminding like myself, just reminding myself like to be truly grateful. Like I got a text message one day from a client who I'm actually going to meet up with um, after this because he's from New Hampshire Whenever I'm in New Hampshire, I try to meet up with my clients whenever I can because everything I do is through FaceTime, phone call, and in email. Right. So it's like if I get the one-on-one time to coach someone or just 
connect with them. Like that's so valuable to me. And he had texted me like, Hey, like, you know, he's like 47 years old. He's like, I can't believe at this point in my life, I've changed so much. And I just want to thank you for like being a part of this transformation and this experience. And it's like, Holy shit. Like that is so powerful. And it's like sitting with that experience of like not taking ownership of it, meaning like it's, it's, it's them. Like, it's the same thing with you. Like you didn't propose, right? <laughs> like, right. right? You know, yeah. <laughs> like you didn't, like, you didn't sit, like have, have the courage to be like, Oh, I'm actually going to ask this person to marry them. But you're a big part of that joy. And it's so, it's so important. Yeah. And I think it's amazing because just from my perspective, I think in, in, it's interesting because like, obviously this whole podcast is about improving the quality of your life. Right. right, it's about improving the quality of your life, improving it through physical, through mental, and through emotional. And when I think about what you do, like you actually create a more emotional experience, right? Yeah. Like because no, like because really cool. like I, if I think about like if I was to go to like when when Lindsay and I got engaged, like it's like if I was to go to generic place in yeah. the mall that we don't have to name, <laughs> but if I was to go to one of those places. Um, I can't say that I would feel as emotionally attached to the person who I was buying that ring from. Cause, cause it's, it's almost like, I think this is a really good way of articulating. And I'll kick it back to you, but your, your brand is, is people also buying what you're putting out for content, what right. you're putting, like the energy and effort that you're putting in, they're not buying a case or, or whatever. Right. They're, they're actually buying the, the Bellman, the energy, the the experience of the whole process between seeing you on social media, between seeing and engaging your content, between talking to you. Like I remember we got Chipotle together. Like yeah. that's a totally different experience than everything else. And it means so much more because it's almost like I'm going down a rabbit hole. No, I'm, I'm running with like it. This. I'm running with it. But it's it's really about like you're like when I I was so anxious about proposing to Lindsay, so anxious, and the reason why is because I was like, this is like real, like yeah. this is a real thing, and it's not something I took lightly, but like connecting with you, first off, made it real, yeah, made it extremely real, and it made it less anxiety provoking. Like you ease the process because it was like, hey man, this is so cool. Like I'm genuinely happy for you, and it wasn't. It wasn't. Was never about like putting pressure on to like buy this ring or do this thing. It was like, hey, this is gonna be a really amazing part of your life, and I'm really excited for you. So it's like you get to almost like be the middleman in the whole transformation of like the person who's deciding to make that decision to when they actually do. And I think that's really, it's, it's, it's more grounding when you think of it that way. When people leave and they say, which they do often is thank you for making this stress-free mm. because they're stressed to the max. Yeah. They're about to spend a ton of money. They're about to propose to their fiance which is so funny because to me, uh, you, I, I've seen it so many times. It's like, don't be stressed. You know she's going to say yes, but you don't. Yeah. Even though you've been with this person for one to eight, nine years. But it's just funny. So they're stressed and they want, when they go to other stores, this is a very simple plug, but we don't pay our staff commission. I don't do it like that. I will never do it like that. Uh, they are hired and encouraged to be great to people because that's their job is to be great to people. Mm. And when 
customers come in and they go, I went to the store and all they did was push me, push me, push me. It's because they don't want you to stay. They work on dollars. So you, every 30 minutes that you're there, you're wasting time for them to make more money. Mm. And we don't, I, we will sit, I had a guy in the store yesterday uh, with Doreen. He was here for four hours. Jeez. Man, was he happy when he left. Yeah, he, has, he needs to make some decisions a little bit faster. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. No, I know, but it's like, because everybody's, you know, funny. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. like, and it's the way, and then I just talked to uh, these clients from Houston. Wow. Because you guys are in Dallas. Uh, I have a nice Houston base. They're, they keep sending me customers. And I t- was talking to this couple on the phone. And first of all, no jewelry store would ever do this. I'm talking to them at 730 at night outside the grocery store in my car because that's when they could talk. And I was going to go grocery shopping. And so we spent an hour and a half on the phone together. They haven't been able to see an item that I'm talking about. And they hadn't been able to um, touch anything that I'm talking about. And they said, we already feel more comfortable with you. And we can't get to you than we did with the nine or ten jewelry stores that they went to. And they've been searching for a jeweler Mm. for a year. A year. They haven't found anybody worth dealing with. Wow. And... To those jewelers, they may call those customers difficult. But when I'm talking to them, they're not difficult at all. They're like, this is all we're looking for. Very simply, like, this is what we'd like. Mm. T- teach us about quality. So we spent time talking about that. And I show, you know, and I sent them a few videos while we were talking. I kind of like sent them some messages on Facebook. And uh, they were already more relaxed and ready to go than they were with any other jeweler. And they can't, they've never met me. Mm. That hour and a half, they were already like, thank you so much. We feel so much better already. Wow. And that's the stuff that makes me really happy. Mm. Like, I was on cloud nine for, like, the rest of that night. I was, like, dancing around the grocery store. Can't completely understand that. Yeah. Um, Lindsay and I had, I had uh, someone, the last person who signed up for the fitness project last night, um, we were driving to go on a date. And... Um, it was like 8 p.m. And she was, like, messaging me back questions about actually joining the program. And I was like, do you have 10 minutes? Just jump on a call with her right there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know. And now, obviously, if Lindsay wasn't cool with that, then that'd be a totally different conversation. Um, I know my boundaries, people. Um, yeah, but, yeah. but no, it's like, and she joined, and it's like, it's really about caring about people. Yeah. It's about caring. Not, and obviously, like, your perspective is different than, like, necessarily, like, where we're coming from. But it's like treating people like they're actually people. Right. That's all they want. And I think that social media makes it so that sometimes we forget that because it's just like, Especially, oh gosh, especially when you look at like Instagram and people who are like just spamming people about like, hey, like join this course, join this product, da 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 da. It's like there's no human aspect to anything, and people are so used to just being inundated with people who are trying to get them to just physically like leave their money. Yep. That they're like they're turned off by the actual thought of being badgered with a program or being badgered with an experience of investing in themselves. It's like, if you actually treat them like a, a person, right? they'll invest, they'll make the right decision, you can actually help them. And it's a better way to find the, the way you wanna help people, I think is the biggest thing. It is, you just find the way that you can help people the most. And you just wanna make them feel comfortable. Um, you guys do the same thing. People are really stressed out. Like when they call you, they mm. have other stresses, which are money. Uh, which is the same. And generally when they're going to hire a coach, that's also one of the few times you're going to make a large investment in yourself beyond, again, a car or a ring or a house. They may not be that large. The, the prices aren't the same, but it's still a large cash investment to do something like that. Um, and 
they need someone to be like, everything's going to be fine. And this doesn't have to be fast. Well, and it's an emotional experience, right? right. For like, you yeah, know, like for is. you, it's like, do I actually want to be with this person forever? Yeah. Like, do I actually want to like take this commitment? Like all the things that come with that. And for us, it's like, do I actually want to do the work? Like, this is going to yeah. be really challenging. Do I actually, like, and obviously so there's, there's a failure bias in our mind of like, oh, I've tried this. I've tried, I've, oh, by the time that I work with someone, it's, and I don't say this as like putting us on a pedestal, but usually the people who come, with, come work with us are people who have tried things that don't work. Right. Like, they've tried to hire a trainer. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't practical. They tried to work with... Uh, you know, a supplement company. They, they 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 tried the packages. They tried the programs. They've done everything. Right. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't work because it's not built around you. Like no one's treating you like a person in this experience. And so it's the it's the process of like looking at yeah, like I have to overcome this fear of failure. I have to be willing to put in the work. I know it's not going to be easy, but I know it's worth it. And I think that when you're actually able to, hey, like talk to someone like a human being, like, okay, well, what's actually the problem? Right. Well, the problem is like, a, for instance, like for us, it's like, the problem is like that I'm stressed out about food. I have a poor relationship with food or I can't stop overeating. It's like, okay, well, what is the, the challenge there? It's like, oh, well, I, I'm always stressed. It's like, okay, so why, right. are you, why are you always stressed? Oh, I'm always stressed because I work and then I have kids and I have this thing and the other thing. So, like, okay, well, let's build some habits that help you with that. It doesn't have to be a massive overhaul. It can right. be something simple like meditating. It can be journaling in the morning. It can be just like creating like five minutes of intentional space in the morning for you to have a moment to yourself. Those simple things improve people's quality of their health on such a drastic level that everything else gets taken care of. It's so important to be, let's get, also, hold on, I want to go back to. So it's so important to be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, also at the beginning, at the end of last year, I was in probably the worst shape of my life that I've been in since college, which was when I got to college, I got really heavy from drinking the, my first semester and I decided real quick that that wasn't going to be how that was going to go. Mm. And so um, I lost all that weight and then I've been healthy since. But that discipline to the gym, not meaning I went every day or like a crazy person or I do bodybuilding, nothing like that. I just love the gym. Yeah. It's a place that makes me happy and I can relax and I put music on and I don't think about work most of the time. <laughs> and that helps everywhere else in your life. Yeah. Everywhere. And me and my uh, girlfriend, Emily, we talk about it all the time because she gets stressed and I want to help her be less stressed. And I, she's less stressed on the days where she gets, even if work is crazy, because she works in the medical field and mm. I would never want to do anything that she has to do ever. Um, you know, bless her and the people who get to do, uh, do the stuff that they do, which is very difficult. Um, man, when she goes to the gym, I mean, it's like, it just washes away. It's like, you can just go and it doesn't have to be the gym for everybody. Some people it's a run. Some people it's yoga. Some people it's just meditating. Peloton. Yeah. But it goes, you just wash away all that stress and you can just go on with your day. Like whatever happened at work, just leave that there. Mm. What I think it really is, is the ability to feel good about what you're doing. Like right. you physically feel better. You, you're like the amount, like I, I ate so much cake and so much pie over the, being in New Hampshire over the last couple of days. And my body feels it. And the days where I didn't exercise, it felt it even worse. And so it's like, 
when I don't move my body, when I don't eat healthy, when those things aren't in alignment, I show up so much differently. Like yeah. it's, I just am not happy. I don't feel as energetic. I don't feel as confident. Like I'm not like at that peak of what I know I can be at. And like you said, it can be like sometimes I just wake up and I go for a two mile run. Like, and for me, like, yeah. you know, I, I ran a marathon this year. Wow. Uh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I ran my first marathon. I ran my first half marathon. Um, it was an amazing experience and didn't. And so when I compare it to like the two miles, it's not that like a huge amount, right? Like right. marathons, uh, this one was 27 miles just because I think that they did the timer wrong. Um, oh, <laughs> but, but um, it's like two miles takes me 20 minutes or 16 minutes if I'm like keeping a decent pace. Yeah. All right. So I worked out for 16 minutes in the morning. If that's literally all I can do, or if like I wake up and some days I'm like, my body is so tight. I'm just going to stretch, like just stretch for 15 minutes. That sets me up in such a different way than on the days when I don't do that. And I think that just seeing that subtle habit of keeping our body moving is what allows us to actually step into the person that we want to be yeah because then it's like okay i'm already checking the box i'm already saying like i'm casting a vote as james clear would say casting a vote for the person that i want to become right and when you do that consistently it doesn't have to be like a bodybuilder like i used to bodybuild i wasn't happy right and this year i started running i started just being healthy and fit i am happier now than i've ever been because of that simple thing of just like making it a habit rather than right. feeling like I needed to spend three hours at the gym. And I think that that's such a subtle shift, but it removes everything for you though. I know like, you know, you and I actually originally connected because of fitness. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that was kind of like the initial thing. Um, how do you keep yourself moving at such a heavy pace? Cause you you keep a heavy pace. Like you're just boom, 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 going, going, going. Like, are there like certain habits that you have in place that help you keep your momentum? Like what are some things that you've put into place that have helped you just keep that pace of what you're operating at? I'm not a good example of that. Okay. I burn out hard. Okay. Um, I work and work and work and work until I burn out and then I need, um, two or three days to recover from that. And even if that's still coming to, I mean, I, I never call it a work, so I still come to work and it's, but I can feel that I'm not focused, I'm not organized, I'm forgetting things. Um, I'm not going to the gym, mm. I'm not eating right, I'm like ordering stuff with the, the staff. Like they order every day. I almost never order food. Um, I bring it, I prep all my meals still. Um, I just am not a good example of that. That's all right. I, work, You're not I live to, on you, caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, fine. but someday I'll come up with like a really cool thing where like I meditate for 30 minutes and like <laughs> I'll like do something to calm down. but. Um, my issue is, is that I work so late into the night that where a normal person should wake up in the morning and take 20 minutes to meditate, I take that 20 minutes for sleep. So I'll sleep till right when I have to get up. And then I start my day, my morning routine of get the dog, get the food, go to the gym, go to work. That's all right. Well, so, so those are still patterns and habits. That's true. Yeah, yeah. My, actually, that's the one thing that keeps me going. Habits. Just, just structure, just relative structure. It doesn't even have to be perfect every day. It doesn't mean every day I go to the gym in the morning. Sometimes that morning gets weird. Sometimes it snows and I have to oh, yeah. get the driveway ready or whatever. Um, I go at night. But I know my pattern, which is today I'll go to the gym. Today I'm going to eat right, walk the dog. And then I, there's so much, there's like a level of work that I want to leave here. 
I want to leave at the end of the day and be like, I got 98% of what I need to get done today. Hmm. And the last 2% I can work on at home. And that's not a big deal. Hmm. So yeah, that maybe that's what it is. Well, I think, I mean... Just simple structure. Yeah, I think that it's a, it's a balance too. And it's just self-awareness about like, if that's something that you're going to improve. Like maybe it's the self-awareness. Like I have a client in Dallas who is the client that we were talking about before yeah. this. Um, he was like, yeah, you know, I learned at a very young age, like I, and you and I are still relatively young. Yeah, right? very. You know, we have a long, lot to learn. And I think that's the great thing about podcasting is you get the experience of learning from people. Um, but he would, he'd just tell me, he's like, you know, what? I would always work really hard for two months or a month. And then I would have to take off like a three day weekend and just go away, take a vacation, at least like every like couple months. Right. He's like, the reason why is because I found that I would work so hard that if I didn't like take time and space to recharge, then I would burn out. And so it's just a matter of like the experience. Like I know for myself, like I'm very into discipline. Discipline in everything is I think the key to living a better life. And I think it comes down to defining discipline for ourselves. Yep. Some days discipline to me is sleeping eight and a half hours. Because I don't want to do that. And like the opposite is like, oh, well, I know I can feel that my body needs to sleep. So being disciplined about sleeping more is something that I need. But also discipline can also be obviously waking up at 4 a.m. for me and getting to the gym, running a marathon, prepping my food, X, Y, Z. So I think it's like creating a criteria of discipline for ourselves and then seeing that it can change. I think that makes the world difference. That way it's not like, like you don't have to wake up and go to the gym every day. Right. You just have to have the intention of what that week looks like and being disciplined to follow through on that. Yeah, if I know that I want to go five days a week, sometimes you wake up on a Monday and you hurt yourself. And you're just like, wow, you're, like you said, you're stiff, right? And so I'd wake up and be like, okay, today's not the day. I'm going to do something, roll out, um, stretch, do some stuff that won't harm me. And I'll start Tuesday. Mm. And I'll do Tuesday through Saturday every day. I just make sure that I keep to that. And every time I do, I feel better. Mm. And it's the same with work. Like today, I have a list and a goal, and I need to get most of that done. The only reason, one of the few things I know that we, the reasons we grew this year is because in January, I wrote a huge list of goals on a, I have a 60-inch whiteboard I keep in my bedroom like a crazy person. <laughs> Sorry. And- I put up two whiteboards, uh, one in our office. That's like, yeah, 60, it's yeah. like, it's a huge whiteboard. I put one up in our living room and then one up in our office. So like instead of the, the couch being pointed towards like the TV, it's pointed towards the whiteboard. That's awesome. And that, that's like, that's where our attention goes. So I love it. It's not that weird. <laughs> yeah. It's what keeps me going. Right. Yeah. And I wrote goals on there and it was fun to swipe a couple of them off and they, I'm not going to use the word cause I think it's from a, one of those hype guys. But I set a goal that should have been technically unattainable to most people for my business. Um, And we hit that goal. I love it. So now next year, I need to increase that goal to something that I consider slightly unattainable and just shoot for it. If we don't get there, cool. If we get to 75% of it, that would be unbelievable. Like, that's the thing. Mm. And so that's where I want to see. That's what I wish more people did. Like, everyone wants to create. You need to create two different systems in your life. One are simple discipline they're not goals like setting a goal to sleep eight hours a night is a isn't a goal it's setting a habit up yeah so like you should build simple habits for yourself 
that you can keep doing. And each time you finish one of those things, it feels like a small win for yourself. Mm. But then you should also set other goals that are harder to get to, but that are goal goals like losing weight, um, cr- getting more money, quitting your job, finding a new job. Mm. That's a goal. Finding a new job at the company you want to work at. That's a goal, mm. not a habit or, or discipline. Yeah. Um, and I think that connecting those things like little habits, making sure that every day you have small wins and then having larger ones that you could lose at, but that knowing that that's okay, that helps me a lot. Yeah. What I do is I always look at like, I did my goals for this year and I was like, okay, what are the long-term things that need to happen by the end of this year for it to be like a huge win? And then I broke it down to medium term, like six, three or six months. Like what's that look like? Yeah. And then one to three months, what does that look like? And the one that three months are more like the daily rituals, the weekly rituals. Like I want to, I want to um, read an article a week about habits and about uh, behavioral behavioral psychology. Nice. Boom. Yeah, that's a habit. But that's also a goal. In meaning, like it's just articulating in a way that actually is measurable. Right. Because like, and understanding like what happens if you reach the goal. So like, one thing I talk about a lot is like if you lose thirty pounds, but that's all you do. You don't feel more confident. You don't work on your mindset. You don't work on your habits. Like anyone, like you want to lose 30 pounds, we can cut you off from the elbow. We'll saw your arm off and there you go. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it, it's not, it's not, it's not actionable if it's not actually meaningful. Right. And so meaningful goals are ones that you can actually understand like why they change your life. Why does losing weight change your life? Because now you're healthier. You have, you have the ability to experience more. You have more confidence. Like all these things meld into something different. And that's why it's a lifestyle. Right. Because if it's not, then you run the risk of falling into this place where it's like, oh, I stepped on the scale. I lost all the weight. <sighs> it's like someone who makes a million dollars. Like I say this all the time, like you can make all the money in the world, but if you're miserable, if no one likes you, if you don't have a connection to people, like all these different things that like actually matter, right. if you're not charitable, if you don't have the things that actually quantify a successful life to you, and all you have is a big bank account, in my eyes, you're not successful. The other, even even from that point, like you're not, not only are you unhappy, but it's but the proof that money doesn't buy happiness is that seventy percent of the NFL goes bankrupt. Mm. Not only are they not managing their money. Because generally they're using the money to do things just to be happy. Mm. They have abusive lifestyles. Wow. That, you know, right? They're beating the crap out of themselves. They're physically beaten for 16 games and they only have a few months to recover. And so some of these guys, they're going out and 70% of them go bankrupt. And it partially, it's not, uh, they're, they're spending money to be happy. Because the guys who don't spend money to be happy, those are the guys that keep all their money, mm. like Gronk. He didn't use a single cent of his salary. I was talking about that with someone today. Yeah, until his final season. And the only thing he used it for, which is the only reason I know, is because he bought a diamond Cuban chain. That was it. He just like really wanted a fancy piece of jewelry. But otherwise, he lives off his money he makes on marketing stuff. Because mm. he didn't need the money to be happy. Mm. He was just a happy guy. Yeah. You ever seen that dude? He's crazy happy. <laughs> And you don't have to be that extreme, but, like, that's really what it is. Like, a lot of people use money to cover up unhappiness. Mm. And so it's it's never, that's never the goal. I want to build a successful business, not because the money sounds fun, because I built a successful business. Mm. Yeah, it's like, uh, Lindsay and I talk a lot about, so obviously, like, 
we have four businesses that we're building right now. Like they all have their different things that we're doing and, and they're working really well and it's really fulfilling from like an entrepreneurial standpoint. But it's like the most important thing is like I have this written on my mirror in my bathroom. Oh, nice. It's like help people. Like first thing is helping people. Like chief, focus, right. everything. Dude, look at this. Because if that's not like the chief goal, then it's easy to put everything else in front of that. Right. And it's like, is your content helping people? When you're talking to people, are they helping people? Is your podcast helping people? Like all these things stack up. So it's like, if that's the focus, then everything else is in alignment and it will come. And that's one of the things I learned from my client too. He's like, yeah. he's like, just helping people. Simple. Just be good to people. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, my biggest goal is just being good to people and being honest with them on, you know, jewelry is one of those weird things where you don't need it. You don't need it. Mm. So I'd rather be honest with people. And if someone's in the market for something that I have or that I can produce, I want to be the most honest as possible and sell that thing to them. Um, but even when it comes down to my staff, like I want to make sure that they're taken care of before I am. Like that's important to me. It's important to me that they know that they're important to our business, you know? And I think that we do a lot of things that help them understand that, you know, we're in it with them they don't just work for us, mm. that they're family, that we take care of them, that it's a team effort. And uh, that comes out to our customers. My staff are happy. They're going to be nice to our customers. Our customers mm. are going to be happy. And when our customers have problems, our staff know how to deal with it. Mm. Um, and it's just the way it is, you know. Uh, and I just find it so important to help people. Mm. Plus, we donate a ton. We, that's our other huge thing we do here is we donate a ton of money to whatever we can. To actually generally donate jewelry so to help people raise money for auctions because generally mm. you can get more money out of it that way. Makes sense. Um, rather than just giving money. Uh, like we do a, every year we design a custom piece of jewelry to raise money for the Elliott Cancer Center, which they're finally going to start building this year. Mm. Um, our small donation is just a little towards that, but it makes me really freaking happy to help mm. because I, there are very few other positions where you can be able to do that. Um, so it's just kind of cool. Love that. It is fun to just help people, man. It yeah. really is. That's why I named the, my Instagram handle, small plug, <laughs> uh, is called The Truthful Jeweler. Because I was trying to think of a way to let people know that this isn't just, I'm not just trying to sell you stuff. Mm. Like, I don't want you to go on my page and just see me hawking stuff. And, like, you will rarely go on my Instagram and see anything for sale. You'll see things I've made for people, but there's no pricing. I'm not pushing it on you. I'm not saying hot sale today. Like I've only got this pendant for two days. I've only got this diamond for a minute. You can buy it right now for, you're never going to see that. Mm. Cause that's not, that's not good or healthy. Yeah. What's well, so. scarce too. You're operating as like someone who's doing that. Like if you're doing that and you're operating from a position of scarcity. Yeah. No like, one does that. Yeah, and and when you when you are scarce, you're actually pushing people away. It's like um, I can't. I was I was meeting with someone in Texas, and he's like he called it sales breath. He's like you, the the when someone is trying to just sell you something. Yeah, it's like you can smell it, you can feel it. It it doesn't. It's not good. <laughs> um, no, and, you can feel it. Yeah, you feel it in your bones. The problem is sometimes you can't avoid it. Mm. So there's certain you know. It's, there, I went to a store recently that I'm not going to say what it was. And I like shopping at that store. And the guy was super salesy. But I knew what I wanted. And I kn knew that 
the price was fair. I didn't. It was one of those stores where you could also get the product online. Mm. So I knew the price was fair, and I bought the product. But he was very salesy, and if he had been in a store like ours, if they were, if they had any competition, like if I could have just gotten it online easier, I would have gotten it online because he was just weirdly pushy. Mm. And I know that my customers experience that every day at every other store. They're just push, 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 sell, sell, sell. That's just not what we do. Mm. It's just not what we do. And uh, I want someone to leave, look at their watch, and be like, wow, that was it. We just spent two hours together? It's like, yeah. They're like, do you do this? They always ask, do you do this with everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Just and come back. We'll do it again. Because we, it doesn't matter if we sit with you 30 times or two. Mm. As long as you leave fulfilled. Like that thing that you need is done and taken care of. Love that. Love that. So, so. I, I know that we're running on the time. Um, yeah. But I wanted to jump in with just a couple questions that I always ask people. I think these ones are uh, my favorite things, and, and I think that they give alignment to everyone who's on the podcast because I want to be an experience for you too. So my first question is, what is your superhuman power and what is your kryptonite? My superhuman power is probably I'm relatively good at just being in any environment and being fine. And I think that's good for sales. I can be in a rap concert with one of my clients True. and be backstage and be completely comfortable and not be in my dress clothes and just be like hanging out with the guys and they don't feel like I'm some snooty guy just hanging out back there trying to take money from them, which I find good that those guys are, you know, you go backstage and make friends. Like mm. that's a good thing. Um, and then I can also be in a really hoity-toity dinner event that I don't <laughs> love being at those, but I can connect with those people when necessary mm. and then my kryptonite is probably not sleeping i love sleeping so we need to get you a nap today is what you're saying oh i could use a nap you, every day you definitely yeah. need to sleep tonight <laughs> yeah every day i could use a nap um and from your perspective like what is one book that's changed your life um i don't want to get it wrong let's look it up it's by Jocko Wilnick. Discipline equals freedom. Extreme ownership. Extreme ownership. Yeah. Um, like, I've read The Power of Habit. I've read every Gary Vee book. I've read, uh, I'm constantly reading books about business, po- constantly reading books about structure. Nothing was better. For me, it's very different for everybody, but for me, for uh, than extreme ownership. That I was also listening to at the end of 2018, mm. which was very helpful to me. That's a good one. To go into the year and uh, have a mindset of I'm, I need to take ownership of all this stuff because I do run most of the day-to-day operations for the store. Um, I took that over about two years ago. Um, so I do everything from buying inventory to taking care of staff to taking care of customers, happy and unhappy, and doing ev- everything. And so I needed to take more ownership. And mm. that book pushed me into a really great place and gave me a lot more discipline in my life. Love it. Um, man, is that guy disciplined. Yeah, I love Jocko. He's, he's a, it's a savage. Yeah. It's a yeah, beast. Yeah, This is a commercial for Jocko. Everybody go follow Jocko. That's an animal. <laughs> um, if you could relive one day of your life, what day would it be? Oh, man.
I don't know. Let me think. It would probably be something from this year. You know what it would be? Uh, me, my dad, and our significant others got the chance to go to Israel this year. Oh, wow. And any of those days. Mm. It doesn't matter which one. Uh, but the chance to be with my dad in Israel um, was really cool. And to get to spend that time with him and learn more about him. Um, because we don't generally get to spend a lot of time together or talk about personal stuff. We generally spend most of our time working. Mm. And most of our conversations revolve around work. And so that was really nice. That was really, really cool. It was an amazing experience. And, uh, yeah, those days I'll remember forever. Those were cool. Love it. Those were really cool. Very, very cool. What is your idea of paradise consist of? A building full of companies that I've built is my idea of paradise. I love, I'm constantly working on side things other than the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and my goal is to own multiple businesses and, and just have them be successful. Just have them, it doesn't matter what they are. Could be fitness, could be anything, could be apps, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, I just want to have a couple and know that I built those mm. um, or grew them in the case of Bellman's. Love it. So. So I have two more. Last one is where can people find you and are, are there any things that you're working on right now that you want people to know about? So people can find me on, uh, you can go to bellmanjewelers.com and you can just submit a thing if you want to set up an appointment and come to the store. We're in Manchester, New Hampshire. But otherwise, you can just find me on Facebook and Instagram under The Truthful Jeweler and I will get back to you as soon as possible. <laughs> I try to get back to you like within an hour. It doesn't matter what time you email me or message me. Uh, but I'm all over it, and we can even set up a voice call or a, a uh, like a message. Man, I haven't looked at this camera at all. That's all right. And um, talk about whatever you're looking for, and it doesn't matter if your budget's 500 bucks. I mean, I made a, an engagement ring for a guy the other day that was $300. That's the other thing that's really important to me is that people don't feel like, oh, you're a jeweler, and it's a lot of the videos I make, I, I wear a suit, which I don't actually wear to work. I just wear a regular dress shirt and dress pants. Um, I want people to know that it doesn't matter your budget. Yes, I get to make these really cool $35,000 things, but I also make a lot of really cool $200 things, $300 things. Like, I want people to know no matter what their budget is, they can come talk to me about whatever it is that they need. Hmm. Um, and then I have a podcast called One on One with Alex Bellman where I interview business owners and CEOs from around New England. And so that's a cool thing. So you can follow that Spotify uh, iTunes podcast and Castbox, and YouTube. Um, so at the end of my show, I ask a question. Okay. That I would like to ask you. Um, at the end of my show, because I I find failure so important, so important. Like the reason we met is because I was pitching you and Lindsay on a duffel bag that I invented. That we actually d- ended up building a successful Kickstarter campaign for, and we made. 150 bags. Hmm. Very cool. Company still failed for a bunch of reasons. One, uh, it was just too expensive to produce. Like hmm. the company who agreed to produce it wouldn't produce it for us anymore. The only way to produce more of it was to take it to China. And then at the time, me and my partners had to make a choice between what we were currently doing in our lives and whether we were going to invest everything we had into that company. And it didn't, which I consider a failure. Hmm. So I learned from failure every day. 
from um, little failures to huge, massive failures. What is a failure that you can remember that you were like, I am so unhappy that this happened, but also, you know, I learned from this. Hmm. One, I had a disagreement with someone in business and there was just a misunderstanding of time. So I was supposed to do like this amount of time on this project and they wanted to extend the amount of time that we were going to be there. So I said, that's great. That's completely fine. And as we were kind of starting up, I said, hey, are we going to be compensated for this extra amount of time that we're spending or do you expect it pro bono? Like just what's going to happen? And uh, I got a reaction was, oh, I'll let you, we'll talk about it another day and we'll, we'll think about it. And I was like, all right, perfect. Sounds good. And I woke up the next day to like, hey, we no longer want to work with you. Like, we're, we're going to like hit pause on this and we're going to reconsider things going forward. And I was like, what, 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 okay, like what's going on? And uh, essentially what happened was, it was just a touchy subject for the person who I was working with. Right. Um, they, had, they had had people who had tried to take advantage of them in the past. And there were some different circumstances that came into the actual specifics of the relationship right. that, that didn't require them to extend like their contract with me or anything like that. It was just that that was the, like my, I wanted clarity. Right. On like, Hey, am I am, like, what does this look like? What am I actually doing? X, Y, Z. And uh, I didn't approach it the right way. And I didn't know how to approach it because I wasn't sure. I'd never been in that situation before. Yep. Didn't know how to properly handle um, a conversation like that. Didn't know what the pro proper way to go about it was. And I really, I really fucked up. And I didn't, I don't feel like I, I messed up in a way that uh, was irreprehensible. I wasn't trying to do anything wrong. It's just, it was right. just the wrong move. And uh, that sucked. That sucked so bad. And I learned um, just the value of the relationships. Like yeah. the relationship was more important than anything else. So I ended up um, kind of playing it by ear. Okay, yeah, let's let's back off. And um, then me and that that client kind of stayed in contact. We kept you know, writing each other and so on. And like we were just we kept like the the waves open. And I apologized. I was like, hey, can I buy you coffee? I'm really sorry about what happened. And um, I didn't mean for it to like come across as like us taking advantage of the situation or expecting that we were going to get compensated more than what you felt like it was necessary. I just wanted to have a conversation about it. And I shouldn't have approached it this way. And it was just really genuine. Yeah. But it was a huge lesson about like, here's where I need to continue to be focused and here's where I need to remember to be focused. And that taught me a tremendous amount about my values and just remembering that everything has to flow from those values. And the most important thing is relationships it more, is. more than anything else. Like doesn't, doesn't matter. That's why I say like treating people like people. Yeah. Having a conversation with them, doing it in the right way and, uh, being patient. Tell, if someone leaves listening to this podcast and learning anything, it is build as many relationships as possible. 
it doesn't have to be for business. Mm-hmm. It's coming from a business person, and that's how I've grown my business. I also have the coolest friends now. Mm. Like, they are just hustlers. They, if you just find people who are like you, creating those relationships don't have to be anything for you. Like, I have awesome friends who are super successful who they what they do has nothing to do with me and we don't monetarily affect each other at all great friends because that's not what it's about it's about building cool relationships with nice people like you and Lindsay, and being able to just call somebody and share something cool that happened and Mm. just be able to talk about it and having as many relationships as possible is great because everybody's every each relationship you have can be for something else Mm. right it doesn't always have to be that they're your best friend, but they can just be there for you. For I mean, it's just so cool. You can build these amazing spheres around yourself of really amazing people. Yeah, and you can't be alone, Wolf, and be happy. You definitely can't be. You, I mean, no. you can. And it doesn't mean you have to open yourself up to everyone, or be yeah. or be uh, irresponsible with the amount of people you let in your life. Like right. I think having like boundaries is so important. But certainly, that's the biggest Achilles heel of my life. Like I've always tried to do it alone. Right. And been really good at it. And so I, I don't let people in as much to like being a part of my circle. Mm-hmm. And uh definitely working on that <laughs> in twenty twenty. Um my last question though is what's your one rule for life? And you can't say build relationships. <laughs> Dang, I know I just cheated this I just cheated the system. Uh I don't know. One rule for life. I'm trying to think of something and I constantly repeat. My staff make fun of me <laughs> because I'm like a record and like I repeat things a lot. Um, like I tell all my customers that this is going to be fun. But I mean that like wholeheartedly. That this, whatever experience they're going to have with me, the customer, that it's actually going to be fun. Like I don't want them to leave feeling stressed. I'm trying to think of something. I just repeat myself all day. Um... Just work hard, man. You know, and there's different levels to working hard. Mm. If you're a nine to fiver, you know, working hard is just staying an extra 30 minutes and making sure everything's done. Or, uh, you know, if a big client calls and it's after hours, just take the call. Uh, Yeah, it's going to affect your night or whatever, but just take the call and, you know, just do it and just because it's nine to five or, or whatever, everybody has their own, right? That you can be a super successful person at nine to five and become the CEO of a major corporation that doesn't take anything away from those people who start literally in the bottom of a company and grow all the way to the top. That's mm. so cool. So everybody has their own work hard. Just work hard. Come home. Clean the house. Love it. Don't don't lie down. Don't go take a nap. Mm, like don't that. take a nap. Don't no, take a nap. No naps for Alex. No nap. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So... Thank you all for being here. I'm so grateful we have the oh, yeah, videos cool. here, here, and everywhere around. Really grateful to have you guys in the experience of this podcast, and really grateful to have you here too, Alex. Thanks, or man. to let me here. No, I right? appreciate like, it. I'm not, you're not here. This is your place. So. Thanks for visiting. It was cool. Oh, this is wonderful. Awesome, so man. thank you all, and just remember to be a light and inspire others to believe more. We'll see you. Thank you for tuning in today to my journey. I hope this episode brought some value and light into your life. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and shout us out on your Instagram stories so we can share this message with as many people as possible. 
And if you're ready to start your own journey, reach out to me at brianpickwitz.com forward slash start. And until next time, thank you again. And remember, the journey starts with you. I'll see you guys soon.